0: Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name's Fergus, I'm your host. I'm joined by old man Trev and po- um, Posh Gooner, uh, Peterborough Gooner, um, Dale Knowles. Hopefully, later on, we're going to have Mike from Boston joining us, uh, but it's uh, a really poor time for them. And jump on because it's two o'clock in the afternoon or two thirty in the afternoon out uh, there. Uh guys, welcome to the show. Um uh, Trev, it feels like only oh, yesterday since I saw you. It wasn't, was it? It just you know it just seems like
0: when did I see you? Oh wolves wolves at home. I can't remember a lot. I was absolutely trolley. <laughs> <What were>. <laughs> game was on for games off Thursday night. i got home at midday on Friday. <laughs> what a night i had a great laugh yeah well it was a good night it, we,
1: we'll talk about that in a minute dale good to have you on again just in from work cheers
0: good elf <laughs> I, I can't toast because i don't drink
1: yeah right <laughs> uh, right how are, how are you doing you all right mate yeah, not bad. Just uh,
2: a busy day and tube strikes and all that in London. But uh, we got home, we made it. So that's the uh, the main thing. Thanks for
1: having me on, Ian. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh. Right, so listen, um, we talk about the Wolves game. Uh, we are going to talk about the Wolves game to start off with, and then we look ahead to the Watford game. And there's some other stuff going on that we'd like to talk about as well. You've got, uh, obviously, the the sale of Chelsea and Usmanov at uh uh, Everton, we might touch on that. Gwendouzi's been uh, joining Marseille and sack and contract talks and stuff like that. But let's let's see how far we get on it in this hour and, and go from there. Evening to everyone in the chat. Thanks for joining. Uh, Joe's in the chat. Pat Houlihan. Terry Henry is in the chat. And he's talking about pancakes are battered and stuff like that. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was funny. Of all the days for them to get battered on Pancake Tuesday was just unreal. Unreal. Um. So it was Arsenal, uh, uh, Arsenal Wolves. It was the rescheduled fixture from uh, the Christmas fixture. Um, we'd played them only two weeks previously. Martinelli was available. What did you make of the the, the lineup, uh, against that game? Just to run through the lineup Ramsdale and Goal, Cedric White, Gabrielle, Tierney, Party, Shaka, Saka, uh, Odegaard, Martinelli, and Lacazette. Dale, what did you make of the lineup? Were you happy with it? Were you ha- what were the areas
2: yeah. you were most happy with?
1: I mean, to be honest,
2: I mean, the, the starting lineup to an extent kind of picks itself at the moment without having that recognized striker. I mean, Lacazette seems to be a favorite of, of the gaffer, um, regardless of form. He's always in there, and I think uh, he's the last six months is probably the best we've seen him play for some time. Um, but yeah, as far as the lineup goes, from what was available, I mean, at first I was a little shocked to see uh, the lack of um, Emil Smith Rowe in there, but then it turns out he was ill. Um, so yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I thought he got the, the selection spot on. But for me, the, the, the importance of that squad was the substitutions and the timing of them. I thought the boss got them really spot on for a change. I thought he was fantastic,
1: mm. Trev. I, I, I'll talk to you about the first half because there's a better chance of you remembering the first half than the second half. So, um, <laughs> Wolves were playing towards us uh, at the North Bank, um, and He Chen, uh he, uh, he scored the opener. Um, I wasn't very impressed with his very ag- antagonistic, oh, easy word for me to say, um, celebrations on front of the, the North Bank. He, he was really, you know, egging us on a bit, wasn't he? He was looking for some some grief and abuse.
0: Yeah, he was. He was. I mean, I'm all for players celebrating the goal, focus Firstly, I, you know, I'm, when we talk about this Wolves game in a bit, remind me, I want to talk about the previous... Wolves game from a couple of weeks previously in, in, in the same conversation because there's some important points to take. But, yeah, he was very antagonistic towards the Arsenal fans. And if one of the Arsenal fans had been silly and ran on the field or or thrown something at him, then he'd have cried and said we were horrible and he'd have probably been right. But I think that although there's no excuses for sometimes the actions that fans take, players do have to take some responsibility and they have to take some responsibility for one reason. They have to consider the heat of the moment and the passion of football fans. Football fans are very passionate people, me included. Very, very passionate people. And when some when a team scores against something we love dearly and we've followed for 20, 30, 40, 50 years in my case, right, then we're going to get upset. And, and 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 if we react, we're stupid. We are silly. I'll hold my hands up to that. But players have got a part to play, I think, in... Um, in, in, in handling those situations and they need to be more responsible in what they do. I noticed that the referee was, was trying to drag him away from the Arsenal call. And I wonder if referees have had some kind of directive, but it uh, wasn't taking a blind bit of notice. Yeah. So, um, you know, they do need to take some responsibility, but nevertheless, you know, it was an early goal for Wolves. It was exactly what we didn't need. Fergus wanted, it, you know, we didn't need an early goal scored against us by a team with Wolves, reputation um, I was so pleased with the way Gabriel and 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 um, and um, Ramsdale, Ramsdale reacted right. Ramsdale. to that. Reacted to that, you know. In years, in two, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons ago, going one nil down to a team like Wolves, even that early in the game, would have meant game over for the for those Arsenal sides. But it wasn't. It was. It, it turned out that we we battled, and uh, we'll talk about that a bit more in a minute, Fergus.
1: Dale, um talk about that uh, incident then with with gabriel and and ramsdale uh, and and talk i suppose in particular that wasn't the cock up and two then what trevor Lutz to was the like the, the the way they recovered from it. Could you have seen Leno and holding or you know a, a, another couple of arsenal players recovering and, and and it was just something about the attitude didn't you think?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think for me, um, it's one of those things that's quite easy to get um, caught up in the heat of the moment. You see a player like uh, make a mistake like that, it's quite easy to point fingers and jump on his back. And uh, we've all done it. Um, some do it more than others with certain players. I mean, if that had been Xhaka, for example, God, he'd be hung out to dry. Um, but with Gabriel, he's a consistent performer. Um, he's arguably one of the first names on the team sheet. So for him to make that mistake, um, yes, it was frustrating, but I thought the... Um, the response um, was what was important. Going one nil down, no, it's not ideal, but how you respond to that is important. And I think with the back line we've got there, there seems to be that sense of camaraderie again, um, which we've kind of never not really had for a long time. Um, the last time you can really say we had a back four this tight, a back five, if you will, was probably going back to to, to Adam Seaman and the guys there. Um, I can't think of a, a defense which has been that kind of on the same page for so long. So I think where, where does that
1: where where does that stem from? Does that stem from Aaron Ramsdale or you know... I think it stems from a couple of things. I think it's mentality um,
2: of some of the players. But I think that's... Arteta must take some of the credit for that. Now, I know he's got his critics, but when you look at kind of what he's done... Um, for, we've been saying we for years we've had a we've had a ropey defence. We need to bring that defence in. We've uh, saying we've got a lot of dead wood. We need to get rid of that dead wood. We've done all of that, and um, ultimately he's the one telling Edu which players he wants. From well, it depends on what, what what you believe, really. I mean, Edu's the one who goes out and gets them. But Arteta has a say in this, and and he's been credited with, with saying like Aaron Ramsdale I want this guy here. He's been saying about uh, to, about Ben White. Ben White was an Arteta kind of choice signing. So I think he's he's picking the right players um, and. Having that stability in there is fantastic. It's something we really need. There's no egos in that back line. There's no egos at all. When you look across, I mean, you'd say our, our, our back four would be uh, Tierney, Tommy Asu, uh, Gabriel, and White. None of them, including all Ramsdale, have a smidgen of attitude about them. They all yeah. want to play for the for the crest. They want to play for each other, and. As uh, as Trev touched on a moment ago, I think it's so important that when you make those mistakes, they're going to happen. We're only human, right? The response. I mean, that you say we didn't need that goal, did we? I think that give us the kick at the backside we probably needed because would we have attacked Wolves the way we did if we hadn't conceded that goal early? I don't know.
1: Trevor, good point made there by Joe. Um, it all stems from uh, three of the uh, back five speaking the same language. So, if the keeper is shouting at you, you'll know what he's shouting. Also, Mikel stopped chopping and changing. And, and that made the most important thing. That's a really valid point, uh, don't you think there, Trev? Well,
0: do you know what, Fergus? Absolutely. Firstly, I, I must just mention, I mean, Dow mentioned Tommy Asu there. And we all know that Tommy Asu has quite possibly been the buyer of the season. But I'm... I, I'm 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 not forgetting Cedric. Cedric's played really well in the last few mm, games. Absolutely nothing wrong. Just to mention, Dal, um, Joe's exactly right, and I've been saying it for years. the The best defenses I've seen at Arsenal over my years are, are defenses that play together week in week out. They get to understand each other. They get to know what each other's doing. And the more they play together, the better they've got. And they have a long longevity about those defenses. They don't stay around for a year or two. You keep them for for five, ten years, even you know, as as a unit, and I think that is really, really important point that Joe makes. These these boys are obviously not only playing together uh, and 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 playing as a unit, they're also enjoying playing football. They're, 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 there's something about them, and that's what lifts us fans. When you, we know as fans, we know when we're watching a player if he's really up for representing the Arsenal or if he's just out there to put his shilling in the bank, you know? And these boys, when you watch them come on the field, not just the back five, but the whole team, you can tell they're going out there to win a football match. That's the first thing on their mind. I want to win this football match for the Arsenal. And, you know, this is this—it's this really... We've seen two massively different winning performances from the Arsenal. Take the Brentford game out of it, right? Um, but the two performances against Wolfsburgers, Two totally opposite performances required. And both of those times we've come through. Yeah. I'm going to, let me just, I'll, I'll take another 30 seconds. I know I'm talking a lot, but Not I'm, far away. I'm, No, no go on. I, I'm really passionate about what I've seen in the last few weeks from the Arsenal football club. Right. I think we've really seen the signs of change uh, of, of what we've now got in that when we went to Wolves, right. We went one nil up early, much as Wolves did at our place. And then we went down to 10 men. And then we saw, we needed to see what our 10 men were made of, what they were all about, because Wolves are a good side. I know they've lost a couple of games recently, but Wolves are a good side. And at Wolves, we battled and we battled and we battled and we played as a unit and we won 1-0, a typical Arsenal 1-0. And then we play Wolves at home and the opposite happens, right? Wolves go 1-0 up at our place and they start doing what we what trying to do, what we do at their place. They're wasting time. They're rolling around on the floor. They make a substitution that takes five minutes. We must touch on that a bit later, right? And they try and keep us out. But they're not good enough because the Arsenal are capable of turning it round. And we hammered away and we hammered away. And even in the 80th minute, we could have laid down and thought, that's it, 80 minutes we've been banging out the door. We've not got anywhere. But no, they kept going and going. And... And look what happened. 2-1, 96-minute winner. You've got to be some kind of special football team to score two goals against Wolves in the last 10 minutes, Fergus. I'm so proud yeah. of them.
1: And and to be honest, something? go on. Go, I, was, uh, I was only going to show... The, the the togetherness among the fan base as well on those two games as well. And we'll we'll put some footage up from the last one. Go on, Dale. Sorry.
2: There's, uh, what Joanne just says there, uh, Wolves very being very well organised. A statistic I saw, which I posted in the WhatsApp chat um, recently, I thought was absolutely incredible. So Wolves haven't lost a game when going ahead in forty five games, whereas three years. Uh, yeah, uh, and and Arteta, uh, sorry, Arsenal haven't won a game under Arteta when going behind. Which again astounded me. I thought it was an incredible statistics. So it just goes to show, kind of what what we're up against there. So before before those two games, if you'd have asked most people, say, no, 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 Arsenal, not Arsenal fans, because obviously a lot most of our guys believe in, in the team. But if you ask the majority of football fans, who's going to take the points from them games? I guarantee you now, nobody would have said Arsenal will take all six points against Wolves home and away.
1: No, I, I to be honest, Wolves the, the way they've been grown in stature. Uh, if I'd taken three or four, I would have been I would have been over the moon, um, which is wrong considering where you think wolves were. A number of years ago, but the league has changed uh, tremendously. You just have to look at even the FA Cup. We got knocked out by Forest. Man United get knocked out by Borough. Spurs uh, uh, get knocked out by Borough. So it just shows that the the quality of, of that sort of tranche of football teams is not as good as it used to be. And 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 the lower down teams seem to be picking up their game against them. And the top two or three elites are just miles ahead with money. But we'll we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes in the future. Look, Arsenal enjoyed more possession and registered more than four times as many shots um, against uh, Wolves um, uh, in, in the game. We had 56% possession, 44% to Wolves, 21 attempts on tar- uh, uh, off target and five on target. And Wolves scoring at one, but only had one other attempt on target. So it was a quiet enough day for Ramsdale. Um... We talked about uh, the tactics that Wolves. Uh, or we touched on the tactics that Wolves adopted. Uh, the, the fact that when they go one nil up, they, they 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 were very um, they're very tight and defensive. And then we looked at the the for the one of a better word the cheating, the the, the rolling over, the falling. The extended time to do that confusion of uh, of substitution. Trevor, you you wanted to talk about that particular sub, and we'll we'll come in and look at the goals and stuff then there afterwards. Talk about just that whole tactic of disrupting the game and breaking the game down. We had it against Burnley, we've had it against Brentford, and we had it on steroids with Wolves.
0: Look right, Fergus. I'm not going to knock any team for for pushing the letter of the law like Wolves did. Not knocking them for that. If they can get away with it, they're going to do it. We we would all do it, you know. We would all do it. I don't know if you've noticed this season, Arsenal have obviously had a word with the ball boys and girls because if we're winning, the ball boys and girls take four times as long to get the ball back onto the field, than if we're losing. <clears throat> what what really frustrated me about Wolves was the inconsistency. I use that word a lot nowadays. The inconsistency, and you know, I'm going to go back to. To the red card at Wolves, you know, to the red card for Martinelli at Wolves, two bookable offences, right? Now, if that substitution where that player was walking off and then he got booked, and then he's walking back on, then he's walking off and walking on, and then they change their mind. If that isn't two bookable offences, what on this planet is? What on this planet is? You know, so... That was what really annoyed me about Wolves most of all. And it was in all honesty, it's probably not their fault. If they can get away with it, they're gonna do it. It's the inconsistency. That, that's two yellow cards. It's two yellow cards, it's two separate offences, and and they've got away with it, you know. Martin Elliott Wolves, look, you know, it, it's it, it's so frustrating. As for the time wasting, we hate it as fans. We absolutely, it's it's abhorrent. I mean, in the Brentford game, I looked at the clock, we were eight minutes into the game at nil-nil when the Brentford goalkeeper started time-wasting. You know, but they're being let get away with it. And let's look at, you know, if we're winning 1-0 with five minutes to go, I'm happy for for the Arsenal to time-waste, you know? So, it's not the fans, it's not the players that have got to do something about it. It's... It's it's the, the ref or the powers that be really that, that I've got to put out an instruction. But it was the consistency of those two bookable offences that really annoyed me, Fergus, out of the whole lot of the whole picture of, of how the game was officiated. Dale, does um
1: Terry have a, a good point here? Uh just about to put it up. Uh, it's poor refereeing again. Uh, it should have been stamped out right from the start. Well we're seeing this in not only Arsenal games, but in, in lots of different games right around uh, right around the league. The the quality of refereeing is, is poor. They just seem to be losing control and the crowd have a tendency wanting to go, you don't know what you're doing. We actually don't do that, that much at Arsenal. But it, i don't think everyone yeah. is just sitting back and going, What the f is going on? The,
2: yeah, no, I agree. And uh, and it just goes, it's not just the refereeing that's inconsistent. It's the FA when it comes to fining teams. I mean, I remember Arsenal got fined a few weeks ago for surrounding the referee, whereas Everton have done uh, a similar sort of thing uh, recently. And Everton got an apology from the FA um, to say, oh, yeah, we, we, it should have been a handball. Well, hang on a minute. If you're going to start assessing every situation and saying, well, that's handball. We, well, we got that wrong, or that's wrong. We got that wrong. You, the referees would be apologizing week in, week out to a different club. There's the. Di- Honestly, my my biggest bugbear in football at the moment is is the is the standard of refereeing, and mm. as uh, as Trev mentioned, is consistency. It is consistent. It's consistently poor. It's very. there's very few games out there where we say, "Oh, the referee's had a good game." And uh, I've refereed myself. I know how it is, and it's not always easy to get it right. But you know what? Even when you don't get it right, occasionally you'll have a good game. There's certain referees out there, and your heart sinks when you see them. You look at the team sheet and you go, "On the who's refereeing the game?" And you go, "Oh God, here we go." It, it's just yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be at that point the whole point of referees going professional was to improve the standard yet yeah, how many english referees are at major tournaments the answer is zero the reason being awesome. it's, it's it's so Not, poor i mean var isn't the problem the standard of people watching the var is the problem that was,
0: well that was for me that was, for, for me was,
1: the, 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 right. the did you see the var was, issue sorry trev the var issue is, is Uh, It's not necessarily uh, the people that's watching it. It's not necessarily uh, the referees on the pitch. It's the way it's been executed. The whole decision should be left to the referee on the pitch. The technology works in the sense that the referee should be able to go up to the screen and go, right, VAR uh, assistant, show me if red number six kicked yellow number 22. Can I have it from another angle? Okay, and the referee makes a decision from there. Not a guy in his ear going, by the way, somebody pulled on Shaka's shirt. You have to take that into account. It shouldn't be up to the VAR referee to make the decision off the pitch, on the pitch. Go on, Trev. Sorry.
0: No, I'm just agreeing with Dow. I mean, there was that game a couple of weeks ago. Man United were playing. I can't remember what it was. But Ronaldo, he gets on my nerves at the best of us. But Ronaldo stood over the ref and screamed in the referee's face. Very close up. But Ronaldo put his hands behind his back as he was doing it, as if to say, this is acceptable, because I put my hands behind my back. It's mm. not acceptable behaviour. It's exactly the same as what the Arsenal got fined for, if not worse, because he was actually screaming in his face. Um, and then, of course, you've got Everton on Everton on the weekend, who have actually... I couldn't believe it when I saw it in the news today. Mike Riley has actually come out from under his rock somewhere, right? And issued an apology to Everton Football Club. If it's and 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 do you know what, I applaud that. <clears throat> I applaud that. I applaud that context. I applaud that context. I don't applaud that one thing. The whole context. But why on earth hasn't he been doing it all season for the hundreds and hundreds of absolutely diabolical decisions we've seen? Does he think that's the only time a mistake's been made? That one handball. So Riley, yeah, you you did well coming out, but you should have been doing it all season. You shouldn't have a voice left. You should have been apologising that much because they've been that bad. The referees this season.
2: The thing is now, right? Have they set a precedent? He's he's now they've now come out and apologised for a a single incident, and the the way it is at the bottom and the top right now, right? Let's let's suppose it comes down to it. If Everton go down by one point or Man City, yeah. yeah, exactly, or win the league by one point, what happens then? All of a sudden, that apology is completely worthless.
1: Because all of a sudden, and you know that happens. will that will be the case. Everton or Man City will will get it by a point. So ah, exactly that. Uh, and, and there, there, there is people will say, so Good. I was just there. There is talk about um, and calls from some of the. Uh, I can't remember. I was listening to it in in the car today. That there's calls for changes within the, within the PGMLO, and that that Mike Riley should depart from his uh, his perch and that somebody else like Mark Halsey or some of the some of the more modern referees should get in there. I, I don't know who, but you know. Um, finish off what you're going to say and then we'll look at the substitutions and, and, and the, the turnaround of the game then, Dale.
2: Yeah, no, of course. I was just going to say, like, the common argument against VAR is, oh, it swings and roundabouts. And, uh, oh, it's you get some, you get, you don't get the other ones. But oh, but the, the one thing that was different about this one is that a public apology, a public apology. I could count. Pff, I I'd dread to even think the number, how many there have been. And this is the first public apology. Part of me, I know Trev said oh, we applaud the guy. Yeah, it, it, it takes guts to do that. But the best thing they could have done is probably kept their mouth shut. Because now what happens going forward between now and the rest of the season?
1: Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. And you can go back to the Man City game. The, the, the only thing that came out of that, uh, for me, I didn't realise they had so limited number of angles considering as about 30 or 40 cameras at, at a Premier League game that they've only got five or seven angles but five or seven angles should be enough uh, let's let's get back to the game itself so uh, Pepe was substituted for Martinelli on the 71th, uh, 71th 71st minute um, Cedric was uh, substituted for uh, Eddie uh, on the 76th minute um, I was a bit surprised Trev at the Martinelli by that stage you were absolutely ruined I expect um, the, the, the Martinelli uh, taken off I probably wouldn't have taken them off at that point would you
0: Yeah, because yeah, absolutely, because I trust Arteta and I trust Arteta's decisions. So if Arteta's our manager and he thinks that Martinelli's got to come off, mate, he's got to come off. At this point, it's really important we say a couple of things, Fergus, right? Firstly, I thought that Eddie and Pepe, the subs, come on and look much more interested in playing football for the Mm. Arsenal than I've ever seen them. They look different players and credit to them for that. We're quick enough to call them because... You know, if we're going to call them call them out on this podcast, we're going to praise them when I thought they came on and really tried their hearts out. And if we're honest, change the game, turn the game. And the other thing that we need to talk about as well, we need to talk about Granite Xhaka, right? Because I've been one of Granite Xhaka's biggest critics. I have. I, 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 I'm not nasty about it, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pleased with Granite Jacker. But the last couple of games, last last three or four games, and particularly. Last Thursday against Wolves at the Emirates, I thought he was absolutely superb. I thought he played further up the field, Fergus. I thought that Granite Jacker played a bit further up the field and was winning the ball further up the field, trusting party behind him, and it gave him more options. And I thought that the party Jacker partnership that I've said for weeks has been growing slowly looked really, really solid, looked really good. Um, so credit where it's due to Granite Xhaka. He was my man of the match. My man of the match, um, he played further up the field. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Thomas Party beside him was he's, every game he seems to improve. Can't see a weakness in him at the moment. Shooting. But, um, and then the subs. Got to praise the subs. Got to praise the subs.
1: Dale, um, the Guanajaca positioning, um, he seems to play like uh, Odegaard and Shaka as two sort of number eights. And party a little bit behind him. Unlike uh, Trev, I didn't think party had a bad game, but I, I, I didn't see him as outstanding, and I haven't seen the party of forty-five million just yet. But you know, um, he has had some good games, but not outstanding. Um, what, what do you think about this two number eight sort of role? I think we done it against. Was it against City? Uh, um, and it, it's where we've been the most effective.
2: Yeah, I think I think touching on what Trev said there, the, I think what's important to that forget the positioning. I think what's important is the relationship building between the players. I think that Jaka has. So let's let's face it, right? Jaka, if he's kind of one of your last men, and occasionally your holding midfielder does become your last man uh, at times, would you want Jaka being in that position? Probably not, to be honest with you. But going forward, we know he can strike a ball. We know he can pick a pass. And one of the things I noticed about Xhaka, is the further forward he is, the more inclined he is. To kind of turn and pass forward because frustratingly, he's one of these people who normally picks out a five yard pass backwards. And that's kind of yeah. pretty much what we've seen over the last two years. It's been quite frustrating. So to see him building that relationship with Party, and the key word there is trust. They trust each other. Jack is that bit more adventurous going forward. And when he does, he doesn't need to tell Party to drop, to, to, to sit back. He kind of naturally just does that. And vice versa. I mean, occasionally when Party did push forward, if you watch the game again or watch the next game, what you'll see is party if party pushes forward, Jack and naturally drifts back. And that, that for me is the, the key of a, a massively important midfield pairing. And and it's again it comes down to 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 trust and they're, they're trusting those around them as well, which is what we said about before the camaraderie
1: you're seeing in that team is something we've not seen in a long time. And Pepe scored a deserved equalizer. He came on at the end of um it came at the end of a really good move uh, down the right uh, and put the, pa- uh, the ball in the net. What did you make of that goal? Because I know you said Pepe uh, imp- uh, impressed you. Um, he's not a, uh, not a player that imp- has impressed me um, overall, uh, again, but I, he was he was excellent uh, in his cameo on, on the night. Take away
2: the price tag. For me, the price tag is what a lot of people judge him on, and rightly so to an extent. Uh, if, he, if if we'd paid 25 or £30 million for Pepe, would they still be talking about him in the same... Passion, both positive and negative, is what they do. I don't think they would. I don't think we would, to be fair. But I think the problem we've got is the club have put such a big price tag behind him. We do expect more. We do expect better. And has he delivered historically? I don't think. He, oh, yeah. There's no thinking about. It. He, he hasn't. He's not lived up to the player that he should be. Whereas after the African Nations, he's clearly had that that kind of that, that hunger of playing football again. That 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 drive, that will um, to push and push himself and really establish himself. And I think. He he come in when he when he come on, he had a point to prove, right? There's a few players I think who are playing for their their futures. Arguably you could say he's one of them. Um and I think he 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 knew what was needed to go, uh to do. I think Artetas had a word in his ear and said, Look, you've had a great tournament. Great to have you back. Now show us what you can do.
1: Hmm. Trev, uh what were your thoughts on Pepe's Gold and and then Mart Martin Odegaard hitting the woodwork like you know, nearly, nearly got that late winner.
0: Yeah, it's uh We've, it's not Pepe's fault that, that he's a 72 million pound player, you know, and was right. He, he, he's, he's got that chalice hanging around his neck and he's And he, but you see what we do forget. He's not been at Arsenal five minutes now. He's been at Arsenal quite a while. And that's why the fans are starting to doubt him, including me, Start including me. And that's what really makes you uh, pleased when you come on. It was a cracking finish, Pepe's goal, you know, he, he had quite a bit to do and he turned and, and put it away nicely. And, uh, I was I was so pleased for him and Eddie setting him up. Um, so maybe Eddie and Pepe are starting to think. Hang on a minute, there's a party going on here. There's a party going on at Arsenal. I don't mean the, the player party. That's not a pun. There's, there's a party going on here at Arsenal, and I want to be part of the fun. I want to join the fun. I want to be. I want. I want to go to that party. In because I, I, I saw Joe putting the Joe Chester, our good friend, put in the comments earlier. Arsenal were the team that others don't want to play at the moment. And that is undoubtedly starting to be the case, you know. We're not quite at the level yet, but we are so close. We are so close. We're having a great season. I just hope we don't drop off at the end of the season like we have been known to, you know, particularly in the Emery season we dropped off. Uh, We just keep going, you know. We've got Tottenham to play, Chelsea to play, West Ham to play, Liverpool to play. If we can get six points out of them four games, I'll be very happy. But what people are forgetting is that is 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 that fourth place is in our hands, but also third place is in our hands. We've got to play Chelsea. Mm-hmm. We win every game, right? And we beat Chelsea. It's a massive if. We're just talking out of box. We finish third in the Football League, right? We finished third in the Premier League. From, that's, mass, you know, unbelievable, superb, fantastic. I cannot give Arteta in... I've held back from saying this for a while, but I'm going to say it. And I'll upset a few people. I cannot give Arteta enough praise for this season. Where he started, where he finished last season, where he started this season. What happened at Manchester City over Christmas, right, when we got absolutely ripped apart. Since then, right, we've really seen the Arteta team coming to the fore. You know, the legacy of the previous manager managers is almost gone. And those that are still left are starting to change their ways. So this is Arteta now, you know, and and I'm excited by it. I'm excited by the football he he gets us playing. I'm excited by the way he conducts himself. You know, I I just want to go and watch Arsenal again. There was a time when I'd think, oh, here we go again. Off to bloody Newcastle at the weekend. But now I can't wait. I can't wait to go to Watford this Sunday. You know, I can't wait to go to to, to games. It's... It's a wonderful feeling to be an Arsenal fan again.
1: And listen, with 90, what was it? uh, 94, 92, 94 minutes in uh, Nuno Tavares was taken on for KT. I was on my phone just taking a picture of the scoreboard at 1-1 and about to put up a discussion point on Arsenal fans forum. Hard-fought point. And I was about to ask, what have you thought of? What were your thoughts on tonight's game? And within seconds, within seconds, the the place has erupted. Nicholas Pepe, uh, Nicholas um, uh, uh Lacazette um, uh, gets a great assist, um, and uh, he he, in my view, scores a goal. Dale, it's hard to take that goal away from as an own goal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the the thing is, I mean,
2: we've been we we normally sit uh, there. Slating the likes of Eddie and not Slating, that's the wrong word, but talking down the likes of Eddie and Lacquer and a few others as well. But he, he is, it is hard on him. I think he's worked hard, but it doesn't take away the fact he's a striker who doesn't score goals. Um that's the one thing. So it's the same with Eddie, really. He scores goals against the game in the games that doesn't matter. It was great for him to get an assist. I I can't take that away from him. And I'll be forever grateful for for what he's done, but let's 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 be real, right? These some of these players we're talking about, yeah, <laughs> it was a cross. That's a, that's a great that's a, that's a great point because I, I was debating with somebody on Twitter at the time. But let's face it, I'll, if we, we're looking to progress, right? We're taking what we've got, we're making it better. Can we improve on what we've got out there now? And in the, in in the striker position, a hundred times over. I saw somebody ask a question on Twitter. Out of the the, the, the pre, all Premier League teams have they all got a striker better than what we have goal, from a goal-scoring perspective? They probably have. They probably have. When you look at even the likes of Brentford, Ivan Toney scored more Premier League goals than what Lacazette scored. When you look at Norwich, they've got strikers that have scored more. than. And let's not forget strikers are there to score goals. Eddie's had chances time and time again in the Premier League, doesn't score goals.
1: Can't fault his work rate the other day, but the reality is I don't think they're good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, t- t- tony uh, in the chat says, uh, who goes on the phone during the game? Uh, it was when the substitution was happening. There was nothing happening on the pitch, Tony. So I had to take the picture and post the post. So, you know, needs must for the group and stuff. For the greater greater, oh. greater the greater cause. On that um, note, though,
2: can I just add on that note there? I'm not a big fan of people going on phones during games and stuff. But occasionally, if you do see videos of someone... Uh, I mean, I remember being at uh, Arsenal Leicester. Um, when we when Welbeck scored like uh, a late goal for the winner, we were literally just about to walk out, and it was like deep into stoppage time. And somewhere my my, my pal next to me, Dan, and uh, he sat down. He was like, "I oh, just just record this," and that there was. I look back on that video now, a short thirty second video, and the smile it puts on my face. So although I'm not a big fan of uh, of, of mobile phones at football matches, occasionally you know what
1: they do have their uses. It was to be honest. I I don't as a rule, and all the groups, everything yeah. else, all go on. Uh, you do. I don't.
0: You, you do.
1: <laughs> don't don't make me swear on here. Don't make me swear. Every everything goes on mute. Like all the the WhatsApp groups that we're on, they all go on mute for eight hours, and I'll pick them up when I'm back on the tube afterwards. But I'll tell you what, I was glad I had my phone at the end because um, the celebrations uh, in the stadium. Uh, you're 96 minutes in. It's a late kickoff. The Emirates uh, is renowned for emptying uh, after a game. Um, and with five minutes or so uh, to go, there's people rushing for the Arsenal tube station or rushing <coughs> to Finsbury Park to get ahead of the queues. And we had it's events like this. Look at the crowds that are in there. Also, look at the reaction of the players. The players are... Extremely excited about this result. We understand the importance of this result as well. The whole North Bank is still full. Even Potsky's there, look. <laughs> He's singing there's only one Arteta at that very moment in time, I think. <laughs> Trev, where were you? And then you got Gabrielle and Cedric run up to the Northwick. Gabrielle, he's got this at Leicester as well. He really gets into it. <laughs> like as that, as always, from And Cesar. And I must admit, he had an outstanding game that day. He, he, he was a great game. Not a, not a great fan of it, but this is my favourite of the Aaron Ramsdale. Saka jumping into the other's arms. Absolutely brilliant.
2: Just look what it Triumph.
1: means to him. Look yeah, what it means it does. to them. Yeah. You can what? genuinely see what it means to the fans and the players. I was talking to somebody today, um, and they do an awful lot of um, concierge stuff for. Footballers uh, across different football teams and some of these uh, Love Island and celebrity sort of uh, things. And uh, one of them is very doing a lot of work uh, trying to get some more business out of Arsenal and talking and sit around. The, the, the atmosphere around the uh, London Colony training camp is really, really, really positive. They've all got the mental state that they, they know exactly where they're going for. The, their only fear, obviously injuries and so on, their only fear is whether youth could possibly, if they lose their heads at some point. And I think that's probably the only fear which. Trev, do you think these lads can keep their heads?
0: Well, who knows? I hope they do. I hope they do. They're Arsenal in their blood. So, But you see, the fan thing is a simple thing. It goes in cycles. If you've got a football team on the field that's exciting the fans, that wants to play for the football club, and the fans sense that, the fans will stay. The fans will stay regardless, and that's what they're doing at the moment. The fans are not going home, home and away. They're supporting the team till the last breath. So, it, it, I'm not surprised that the, the stadium staying full till till the end of games and after games, because the, the fans sense that the players are playing for the club, and that we we've actually got a team that's get, that's worth watching. You know, I, I I didn't get a chance to talk about the Lacazette goal because I'm going to say it with a smile on my face, right? If if the goalkeeper don't palm it in the net, we're saying, "Oh Jesus Christ, Lacazette's missed another golden chance," aren't we? You know, <laughs> so he's got lucky Lacazette, right? He's got lucky Lacazette, but let's hope that that bit of luck kickstarts him. You know, we got how many games we've got left? Fourteen games left this season. Is 14 it? Fourteen to go. Fourteen yeah. left. I'd take seven goals from from Lacquer in fourteen games, and a chip in from the others, and and we'll be in fourth place at the end of the season. Clear, um, out for you Trev? You what? You're hopeful. Seven goals from Lacquer. Absolutely hopeful. Of course, I'm hopeful. You know, I support <laughs> the club. I want to, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I want him to score none, but I'll, I, you know, I, I just want him to keep committing himself as he does to the team. Um, as for the phone, Fergus, that's it. It's not good, son. You need to sort yourself out about the phone. You need to sort <clears> yourself <throat> out about the phone. The last thing
1: I last thing of the Wolves game was uh, Aaron Ramsdale uh, celebrating like he won the Champions League. I love it, (laughs) Trev.
0: Well, that's that's what the fans stay there to see. And, you know, Kai, yeah. You know, and I'm just looking at Kai's comment here. Yeah, Kai, seven goals. Why shouldn't we say we'd like to see Lacker score seven goals? We'd like to see him score a goal again. But I'm I'm saying what we'd, you know, what we'd take. And so, you know, I, I just want us to continue going as we are. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit lost for words because I'm just I just want to go and watch us play football again. I'm just so happy with what what I'm seeing at the moment, the commitment and the effort from one to eleven. Um, and I was going to say something else, but I cannot for the life of me remember what I was going to say, Fergus. So, oh, I know what it was. Um, you know, Ed, we've got to dwell on Eddie and Pepe for a few seconds, right? We've got to dwell on Anketia and Pepe for a few seconds. Um, I really hope that Arteta has been at them this week, praising them and saying how good you are, because the options on the bench, as showed against Wolves, are going to be key now. You know, if we're struggling to have options on the bench, we've only had Smith Rowe, really, as a, as a really positive option on the bench up to now, haven't we? So if we get a, a Pepe and, and, and Kessie playing better, And we have three or four options on the bench to bring on when we're tired and we need a goal. We're an even better football team. Um,
1: Next up, we have got uh, Arsenal uh, away to Watford. uh, yeah, seven goals all against Spurs. That'd be perfect, Matt. Um, Arsenal against Watford. Our head-to-head with them is Arsenal have one twelve and Watford won 2. We've scored 33 goals versus their 12 and we've kept eight clean sheets. Uh, Watford are 19th, 19th in the league. They've drawn, lost, won, lost, lost and drawn. Five wins, four draws, 17 losses all season with a minus 22 goal difference. Um Dale, Watford have only kept clean uh, clean sheets in the last six Premier League games under Roy Hodgson, um, as many as they had in the previous 38 under four different managers. Um, and w- w- where do you see this go- game going on Sunday? Truth be told... They, they um, did... Go on. Uh, I was, I was going to say they did give Man United a, a bloody hard game uh, last weekend as well.
2: Didn't they beat them 4-0 earlier on in the season as well?
1: Man United did, yeah. Yeah,
2: I think, they, I think they beat Man United 4-0, didn't they? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Watford beat United 4-0 in the league. But um, anyway, um don't want to talk about them lot. Um, so I'm, I'm never a big fan of looking at head-to-heads and statistics because ultimately one game is it's 90 minutes long and everyone has a chance. Um, I agree with that. Roy will set them up uh, so it'll be hard to break down. But I think we've got more than enough to get in there. And Watford show time and time again that once you get the first, there's normally a second and a third that follows. Um, for me, this weekend is the most important for a long weekend. The reason being, right, we've got United. I think have got City. United have got City, and realistically, City are going to win that. Let's let's be let's face it. So if City win that, we beat Watford forget who our games are in hand against, because there's a, I hate people saying, yeah, but our games are in hand against uh, Tottenham, Chelsea and Liverpool. They're not. They're against who we play next. That's how our games in hand are against. And if we, uh, that is such a psychological advantage. We'll be one point ahead of them, if I'm, if, if I'm right, right, with uh, three games in hand. That yep. there is massive, absolutely massive. So this game here for me is, don't get me wrong, the Wolves games are big, but they mean nothing if we don't go ahead and win this game here. I think, uh, like the, someone commented a moment ago, they are hard to break down initially. But once you get that first one, I think they crumble uh, like the Berlin Wall. So let's just hope uh, we get an early goal. I think an early goal when it could be quite a big scoreline. I think we could see a repeat of the Leeds game. But uh, I think it all depends kind of how we go out there. If we go out there all guns blazing and and we go out there to win that game, there's only one winner for me.
1: Trevor, Arsenal scored the first goal in 14 of the last 15 meetings against Watford, with the only exceptions when... um, we lost to Watford in 2017 at the Emirates Stadium. Um Is it key on Sunday that we go out and get the first goal?
0: Oh, no, as we've shown recently, it's desirable. It's what we want. It's not key. We, we could give away an early goal and, and we should still beat Watford on current form comfortably. But obviously, we don't want to give away an early goal. I think the defeating 217 at our place was uh, was the old Troy Deeney-Cahoonies thing, wasn't it? The Honours, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean that still grates with the Arsenal, and that's still that still fires our fans up these years later. So thank you, Troy Denny, for doing that. You, you've been a right help in lifting our fan base against Watford. In, no, Fergus, I, I don't think we we'll we, be. We won't lose a game because we give away an early goal. We're a better side than that. We're capable of scoring one more goal, one goal against Watford, one more more than one goal against Watford. Spit it out, Trev. More than one goal against Watford. Um, but it is Arsenal, you know, so who knows what's going to happen. But going on current form, it should be a comfortable win for us. And as Dal rightly said, rightly said, another three points on the board. And they've all got to play each other, including us. We've got to play some top teams as well. We've just got to do better than the others. We're right in the mix, right in the mix. I think we'll win at Watford. And, and as you rightly said, Roy, Roy, Roy Hodgson, don't muck around with his teams. He gets them set up well. But the quality of the players, the pace of the play should see us turn Watford over Please. yeah
1: Adele Adele I think the 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 one that you were referring to is um Ollie's last game in charge it was a four no, one defeat United had. yeah thank th- thank you everybody in the chat for helping us on that one um so let's go around and get your your um is there any, anybody you particularly fear within the Watford side then Dale?
0: Uh, truth be
2: told no i mean uh, when i look at our, our squad i mean one v one on one any of them i'd fancy any of ours versus any of them uh, and i genuinely do think if we get an, uh, i know we're saying it's not imperative to get an early goal and uh, we, we've shown that we can come from behind but nobody wants to come from behind right i think we get we go out and we score in the first 10 20 minutes i, I genuinely do believe we've got another four five nil hopefully on our hands i think but Rather than a four-five-nil, great. It's great for the goal difference. I'd love us to, to, to a one or a two-nil. No. I see a comment saying one-nil every game. I, I love the clean sheets. The clean sheets are almost as, as, as important as goals these days. And you've seen what it does to that back line. That back line, they're devastated when they score. If we're winning four-nil and they concede the 90th minute of, and it make it four-one, they literally feel like they've lost the game. It means so much to them. So a clean sheet, a two-nil win, I'll be happy with that.
0: Trev. Fergus it's a really interesting point Dale makes there, a really interesting point in that in 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 recent seasons we've gone into games thinking, well, we're going to have to score three or four because our defence is going to let one or two in, you know, right? And that's changed for me completely. I now look at opposition teams and I think, they ain't going to score against us. They ain't going to score against us. I fought it against Wolves both games. I thought. Wolves can't score against us, and they scored once through our own fault. You know, they didn't score through any of their own work. So, so isn't it great the way it's changed, that we've now got a, a defence at the Arsenal that we can look at and say, yeah, that lot can't score against us, I don't think. We, we should be all right. And, and, and on that on that mark, I'm going to go a reserved 2-0 to the Arsenal against Watford.
1: I'm, I'm going to go with I'll take 1-0 now and that's what I'm going to stick with. Um, but it, it, the point that you make about having a clean sheet, when did that turn? When did it turn from well, we'll at least concede one to that we're we're all confident that we'll keep a clean sheet? Dale, what, what game do you think it was that turned?
2: Um, I can't remember the game, but I can remember the moment when I felt like that. And it was when, uh, when I first see Ramsdale. You see the passion that guy has and it, and it it seems to be rubbing off across that whole back line. I mean, Tommy Ashu, I'm, I'm guessing uh, when he when he looks, he doesn't... English isn't his first language, but you can see how much it means to him as well. So emotion has no language. And I think that started... I mean, the, the earliest I can remember it, well, because we, we've never really had that solid back line, the consistency going back to that, that word there that we've got at the moment. And I think that seems to have been solidified with the inclusion of Ramsdale because the, the I think the mm-hmm. players... Trust him. They listen to him. He is sh- Leno. Never used to shout at them. Never Leno used never used to praise them like that. They always, of course, they shake hands and give each other a pat on the back whenever all do something good. But I don't know. Ramsdale just seems to drive it a bit extra for me. And for me, that's that's a big turning point. That's a big having that big voice back there. Someone who actually gives a damn. Uh, for me, that's it
1: was the signing of Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah. Um, Trevor, good when point. when did. You- when was the, the moment that you felt it turned where you felt confident that we were going to keep a clean sheet going into games like these?
0: Yeah, Ramsdale was a massive call. Ramsdale was a massive call in that because, as much as we used we Leno didn't do a lot wrong, Ramsdale was a different kind of goalkeeper. He's, he, he, he ins, you can tell he inspires players around him. Not only does he inspire players around him, he inspires fans. So, Ramsdale was massive. And then Tommy Asu turns out to be probably the, near the buy of the season. Although I'm, <coughs> Cedric, at the moment, he's playing his socks off. And then we get us. We've, we've struggled with central defenders for years and years and years. We've tried all different sorts. I mean, there was a time under under the Arsene Wenger, we had two central defenders, and neither of them was six foot, um, and you know we knew that we were going to give away goals every game, set pieces. It was horrendous. You know. These big lads had come up and I can remember we played Southampton away two or three seasons ago. And and we lot and I can't remember whether we lost or drew, but set pieces in our box. Our defenders were a foot shorter than all of the Southampton players, and you're thinking we've got no chance here. We're not gonna, we're not gonna hold out here. We were getting bullied, we were getting bullied. So going back to it, you start to see it form the second, you know, getting getting into this season after the Man City game where we got battered. You know Ramsdale comes in, and then, and then Tommy Asu starts playing really, really well. And and although Lekonga, uh, the the what's his name, the, the the left back did really well, Tierney comes back and gets himself really fit and starts playing. And then the most important part of a defence, right? We find two central defenders. With a pair of balls. They've both got a pair of balls, you know. They both play their hearts out. They both don't get bullied. They both get in people's faces. White and Gabriel, right, have been revolutionary. You watch White and Gabriel during the game. They do not give a damn about anything other than keeping that ball out of our goal. They've been an absolute revelation, those two centre-backs. I can't sing their praise high enough. And, of course, I've mentioned them all there. And then when you put them all together... You've got a very, very good defence, a young defence, a defence that's still learning to play with each other, a defence that can stick together if we keep them for the next, like, eight, ten years. Be excited. That is when it all changed, Fergus, when the five we play regularly now started to play together regularly, regularly. And you've still got Cedric and what's his name? The lad on left back as well. Come on. Nuno N- Tavares. Nuno, you know, Nuno Tavares. We've still got them to come in who can both do a really good job. So yeah, and and then Holding comes into the centre defence if we need him and never ever lets us down. I'm I'm very happy with that. The any problem we've got now is up the other end of the field.
2: Yeah, agree. I mean, you stick Aubameyang's goals into this team. No one foresee Aubameyang not doing what he's done now. So I'm I'm not. I don't want to bring his name up, but let's look at his goal-scoring prowess over the last few years. He has been deadly in front of goal, let's face it, right? You stick those goals goals. in this defence, my God, what a team we've got there. What a team. You mentioned Ben White and Gabriel. Let me just say one thing about him before we move on from this one. So, for me, not just defensively, the the way both of them two can pick a pass, a 50, uh, 60-yard ball, my God, you you don't see some of the best centre midfielders uh, in the club doing that. Yeah, Ben White's pinging it 60, 70 yards, putting on a 50p. Their passing ability, and someone touched on a moment ago, I think it was Heath in the comments. Heath was saying we, we, they play uh, together as a unit. Uh, that's it. They, they defend as a unit. It's, it's so true. But uh, but for me, it's about more than them. It's about they know what's in front of them. We're building something special, guys. Believe it. Believe it.
0: And hey, you know what? i to is- so ask you a question now. Let me just ask you a question, son. How good, right, do you think that Ben White is with a ball at his feet, mate? I think he could play higher up the field easily. He could easily be
1: a midfield. He could easily be like that holding midfield. centre. He has done right. role. He he did play that role for Brighton. Okay. So cool. But, uh, you know, this... Dale, you said that we're building something. We're building something special. This is the season that we could afford to get rid of Aubameyangs and everything. We're in nothing. But, you know, this January gave us the opportunity to clear out and build and keep players who want to be part of the the project, the process, whatever you want to call it, and be part of Arsenal Football Club and bring it on to the next level. Even the guys who are running out of contracts in the like of um, Eddie, to a lesser degree, but Eddie... Um, uh, Lacazette and um, Elneny in the background. He doesn't cause any problems, he doesn't cause any grief or anything like that, he just is part of the collective team and uh, they are, they are I, I think the whole ethos around the club is fantastic at the minute Listen, moving it on slightly um, Guendouzi will be uh, signing on a permanent uh, to, uh, for Marseille £9 million Dale, good business? Glad to see him gone? Uh, taxi for Gwendozi,
2: please. Uh, yeah, extremely <laughs> happy. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I don't care how good a player he is. I always see about uh, he's a great player. We've, we've, we've missed out one on there. Marseille have got a great player. I do not care how good player you are. If you if you do not fit into this current Arsenal team, which we're developing something special as we've been discussing, you're not for me. I'm afraid. And he's shown time and time again. Every club he's been at, he showed a bit of an attitude problem there, and. Even even at Marseille, they've said, yeah, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And it's, his manager's come out publicly and said it previously, just before Christmas last time. For me, that upsets the apple cart. Uh, I don't care what we got for him. I'll be completely honest. I don't care if he goes on a free. For me, it, it, it's a problem off the books. A problem in,
1: in, the, in the shape of his attitude, not his ability. Trev, do you agree with Terry? Are we selling him on the cheap?
0: Yeah, we are. he's an ex-Arsenal player now. I'm not bothered. Not bothered. Ex-Arsenal. Exactly. Um, didn't, didn't cut the mustard at Arsenal. More for his attitude than his skills. Job done. Arteta's had his weight. He's gone. We move on.
1: Agreed. Um... And the the, the the last one is Usmanov uh, and you got Abramovich now that he's uh, formally announced that he's um, going to be uh, putting Chelsea up from, for sale. Dodged a bullet there, uh, Trev, uh, with Usmanov. And I do recall um, hearing that, uh, was it Fisman on his deathbed, said when he was giving his shares to, I, I don't know, Smith Brace, I, I don't know all the directors' names, Um whatever you do, don't. this is when um, Stan Kroenke was stiffing around to try and get involved in the club and Red and White Holdings and all of that. Do not sell to Usmanov. The advice was probably correct in the end, don't you think,
0: Trev? Oh, Fergus. I'm not qualified to comment on that. Obviously, it's right with the current situation because I don't know what would have happened. It'll be interesting to see what happens over at Chelsea. But um, all, all I do know is that um it was uh, there was no I, I couldn't remember what program it was but you know me Fergus I've got thousands of old programs and I can remember reading one uh, about the time when um Kronke was st- was coming onto the board at the Arsenal and hill then uh hill, hill wood was still alive and still chairman and he was saying good words about Kroenke hill wood, about mm. how he, the, the, there's certain values at Arsenal and he's sure that Kroenke will will um will uphold those i'm not saying that that's happened i'm not saying that it's happened at all i'm not i don't know i don't know the insides and outs of it but what i do know is he never ever praised usmanov and never mentioned usmanov so maybe he knew who knows um but we've got what we've got Um, i I want you know we should we should really briefly mention for a few seconds about what's going on in the ukraine it's uh, it's a country i've been fortunate enough to visit I've walked around the streets of Kharkiv, I've walked around the streets of Poltova, I've walked around the streets of Kiev at all hours of the day and night and never felt unsafe. They're lovely, the Ukrainians are lovely people, it's a lovely place and what's gone on there is really wrong. They're being attacked by a lunatic for no reason whatsoever and innocent people like just like ourselves. Probably some people I spoke to in those cities have been killed. Just going about their daily business, and just just wanting to get on with life, you know. So um we need to mention that m- me personally, the Ukrainians have my have my full support, my full backing. I hope they hold on in there. I hope they turn these Russians over, and I hope they come out of it, um, come out of it, showing just just how what a horrible man this Putin is and that that, that he, he never gets a chance to do it again. I, it makes me want to cry thinking about being there.
2: Agreed, Trev. Agreed. I think one of the things that comes off the back of this, we spoke briefly about a moment ago, is the sale of Chelsea. I think a massive statement there. Again, politically, I'm not one of these politically-minded people, but he's not just selling the club. What he's come out and said as well is he's donating the net profits to the victims of Ukraine. Now your conspiracy theorists will sit there and say he hasn't said what side he's 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 donating it to whether it be the victim, in the Russian side, or the, or the yeah, whatever. But for me, that to me is it's a big two fingers up to Putin to sit there and say because he's very close to Putin. It's no it's no secret, and I think acts like this are going to be what's going to help resolve this war and and put these these, these war crimes and these these, these these horrific events we're seeing in front of us. But hopefully, the, the, this is the start of the end
1: yeah yeah hope so and uh as as you both said our hearts go out to the people out there hopefully it doesn't escalate further um and it stays contained and finishes very quickly and and with the right result at the end of it the right result is some man should be taken and shot but uh and uh yeah uh guys uh, i suppose um we've hit the hour mark um yeah that's us 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 done dale thank you very very much for joining us. always um, I hope you enjoyed it. Let people know where they can find you and uh wh- what group you're on and everything else on Twitter
2: at Delboy at the bottom, guys. I'll follow you all back down about that. I was going to mention to Trev, Trev hasn't even followed me back yet. So, uh, when uh, I saw it sort of oh. <laughs> oh. at Delboy oh. on Twitter, I'll follow you all back. I love a little bit of a, a debate on Twitter, so uh, yeah. And uh, for anybody who's uh interested, uh, Peter Goon is as well, there's uh, about 450 of us uh and many of who travel up on it on a weekly basis so feel free to join
0: in
1: i'm trying to put this picture up that you've done one second i'll, I'll download the picture uh, can you can you get it for can you put that up yeah just... i've got i've got it in a second you, you just um you, you do you you
0: you're due to do a rant
1: by now anyway aren't you
0: well I, I i i'm not in the mood to rant tonight fergus we've we've finished off on something that's very close to me um the, it, this this um this thing that the poor Ukrainian people are going through and I'm not in the mood to rant I'm just gonna look forward to Sunday there's a right team of us going on Sunday there's a right group of lads going across to Watford big Tony fane's just uh popped up in the in the chat there Trev don't forget to bring your wallet on Sunday you promised me a beer well you've been promised me a beer for years Tony I've never seen one there it is folk that's it See, that's that that's that's Terry who pops up in the chat a lot um and that's a lad, a steward at Vorskla Poltava in Ukraine, right? And this is the kind of people they are. Um, me and Terry and myself, and about three or four other Arsenal fans, got to Poltava early for the game there three or four seasons ago. And the game was cancelled and moved to Kiev because the Russians were getting a bit leery across the border, very near Poltava. And we were we were like in Poltava for a couple of days, and we went down the stadium. And that lad that in that picture just then didn't know me and Terry from Adam. But he said, you've come all the way from the UK. Come on. And he took us in the stadium at Poltava, showed us round the changing rooms, showed us round the restaurants, took us into the club shop that was all fenced off. They weren't letting anybody in the ground. And he was just a really, really nice man. And uh, I just hope and pray that he's all right. He, I, I, he's a lovely fellow and he's in Poltava, which is which is not the best place to be right now. And I just hope he's all right. Fingers crossed. And the heart goes out towards him. And I'm not going to mention it anymore about Pot. Ukraine now because it upsets me greatly.
1: Not a lot more you can say on that one. Um, guys, uh, we've talked a lot about Arsenal and the history we're making uh, with Arsenal. Uh, we also, over this summer, myself and Trevor, had the pleasure of joining Mark, um, Andrews and Andy Kelly, who are uh, authors that do a lot of work uh, for um, like historians and journalists and write a lot of stuff about uh, Arsenal. If you want to check out on YouTube, if you go into the playlist, you see the Arsenal history one. If you're on uh, Spotify or any of those uh, audio platforms, you can get them there. Uh, it is 10 hours of your life. Uh, you won't get back, but you'll pick up some absolute gems that I did as well so uh, if you want to check that out do so thanks everybody for joining the show thank you Trev, uh, thank you Dale, um, you've been listening to an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans only one last thing to say is where's the bloody exit music it's
0: uh, oh, so good go Leo. the Arsenal listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow
1: Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons and remember to rate and review us too